Welcome into What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, covering the NFL, college football, and the top stories in the sports world. With producer Patton Cook, NFL All-Pro and former Tennessee Titan linebacker Keith Bullock, veteran sports anchor John Burton. Hard to believe it, but this is our 10th episode of the podcast show, What's Good with KB and JB. Welcome, everybody. KB out of pocket this weekend, heading up uh, home to New York City to watch his uh, alma mater, Syracuse University, take on the Pitt Panthers. John Burton, that's me. Patton Cook, our producer, the five-star general, he is here. And uh, Patton, we have a very, very special guest filling in for KB this week, and I cannot wait for today's show. It's going to be a blast. Uh, yes, uh, it was cool having Keith. Uh, we, we, of course, uh, very much a part of this show as a kid growing up, watching Titans, uh, breathing it, crying it for uh, as well for some moments. But absolutely, this is a very cool moment, not only for you, but for me as a kid growing up in Nashville. Well, our special guest filling in for Keith Bullock this week is none other than the man who coached him with the Tennessee Titans, former Titans head coach Jeff Fisher joining us from the farm. <laughs> coach, how are you today? Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me, and I'm doing great. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. It sounds like we might have a little bit of fun here. You know, you start talking about Keith, and then all of a sudden, those, you know, i got more memories coming back, and it's, it seems like over the last two to three weeks, it's been a for me, it's been a trip down memory lane with, uh, you know, with a reunion that, uh, you know, the Titans had for the Oilers and the Houston Oilers and then Tennessee Oilers and then Titans. And, you know, I got to go down there and see a lot of great people, Keith included. But, um, yeah, it's just been kind of a one thing after another. So, uh, Keith, did you know he was sneaking away? Because he's usually pretty good at letting you know really last yeah. minute or calling you after he lands. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. That it, that's that's kind of that's kind of how it worked out, Coach. Yeah, it was one of those yeah. oh by the way type deals. So I got to ask you, Jeff, what was Keith like to coach? I mean, he was an All Pro linebacker, made a lot of Pro Bowls. He was known as Mister Monday Night. He was a big play linebacker. What was he like to coach from a day to day basis? You know, he was he was great. I mean, everybody comes in and has kind of a different – that rookie year takes on a kind of a, like a different role for everybody. Some guys do different things. Keith was – Keith was smart, and he was – he learned the defense really fast. He had some really good vets to learn from. And so, I mean, he wanted to get on the field as quick as he could. I remember – we had we're watching so it was a it might have been Dallas I couldn't his rookie year if we played them but there was just not the the level of aggressiveness that would want to see in a defensive goal line effort out of him mm-hmm. and so I just kind of I, I I think it was Schwartzy maybe and I said hey man well let's just um, let's just take him off goal line. And we'll put somebody else on goal line. Oh my God. When, when he heard that, it was like over <laughs> and his, he just took off, you know? And then from that point on, it was like, yeah, he was the guy, you know, he's for the listeners. Um, you know, Keith had great range and he had 
great arm. He just has wingspan, and he had really good uh, ball skills. And so he would go back and squat down and drop in his zone or whatever, and then all of us and and not look like there was anything there to the quarterback. And then the ball was thrown, and it's just like this. They, this, these arms just reached out and snatched <laughs> ball after ball after ball. I mean, it was really cool. He understood, you know, Keith, as he got, you know, a few years into it, really, really, you know, took advantage of, you know, his football intelligence and knew what people were doing uh, as right before they did it on offense. And so that made him, you know, made him such a dynamic player. It was really fun to coach. I remember, uh, yeah, I'll take you guys back. We were, um, we were we were in Seattle and um, CJ had put on I mean he's 58 yards short of the all-time record. So um, on the Saturday night before the game, I got up there and I just kind of was I knew what the answer was going to be, mm-hmm. but I didn't know who was going to be opposed to it. But I said, hey guys, hey defense, you know we, this is a great opportunity for us team and franchise and CJ and every, even though we're not going to playoffs, man, we got a chance to set these records. And, and um, I said, if something, if it comes down to it, man, and we're four, six, eight, I don't know, a few yards short at the end of the game defense, I may, uh, I'm trying to think of what the signal would be, but I may need to have you guys let them score so we can get the ball back to get CJ the record. And I didn't even finish getting that out. And Keith was like, no effing way. We're going to let anybody score on us, you know. I just pushed a button that I knew what the response I was going to get. But that was Keith. That's how he was wired. He was so competitive. Yeah, I can imagine. I can just imagine the contrast, you being, you know, Mr. California cool and Keith being from New York. But, uh, you know, sometimes opposites attract. Coach, uh, the current Titans obviously uh, making the big announcement this week. Will Levis will be the starter going forward. Ryan Tannehill, once he gets uh, healthy from his ankle injury, will be the number two. Um, what did you make of the decision? And what have you seen from Levis these first two games? Got to see Levis in person against Atlanta because that was the reunion. Right. And um, so what you saw in that game was um, really from the start, he uh, he had something. By that I mean um, the ball was coming out. He knew where it was going. He was pressured. He got rid of it. He didn't really take a make a big mistake. Um, and he, he was on the same page. You could tell there was that, you know, he and the play caller were on the same page and things were kind of now it was, it was not easy that first half. And then he made those plays. And so, you know, you come out with a, he comes out with a, you know, that, that first start and that first win against the Falcons. And, and so everybody's kind of like, is it, what is this real or what is this? You know, (laughs) well, now he's got what? Three days to prepare and go to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, that's a different deal. Going under center in that stadium against that defense is a completely different deal. Um, uh, you can't describe it. You can't prepare them for it. Um, you can talk about it all you want, but that defense is rocking and rolling. It's a different defense. It can confuse young quarterbacks. Uh, that they're experienced players. Um, and so you know, take a, a short week of preparation, and what he did in that game, I really, really was impressed. Even in a losing effort, the things that the things that you see 
that stand out, at least from my perspective of, is he was going backwards once or twice, back foot, falling backwards, <laughs> just about ready to get sacked, and that ball comes out clean, mm-hmm. and it's incomplete, and there's no potential chance for a catastrophic play, a tip, a great play by a defensive player laying out and intercepting the ball. It was just he, he knew um, what he needed to do when he got in trouble. And and because oftentimes you see you guys see it guys do this stupid stuff and they try to fit things in right you know I mean you try to scramble around try to but so I was really impressed with that now this decision uh, I'm not surprised um, I think um, I think out of fairness to to Ryan he needs to get healthy he's a warrior uh, he's had had some huge games. But it just, you know, he's just in that that stage of the career where it takes a little bit longer, and you need to feel really good and stay really good. So uh, I think this kid, because of the way he played and the win, uh, and then in the, the losing effort, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but you and I've done it many, many times, many times. But it's you're taking the keys away from somebody and you're giving it to somebody else. Yeah, and um, you know, so, and different guys respond to that different. He's a pro. He's going to be there and support the kid. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. But also, you know, Ryan just you know, we don't need people around. Don't need to lose the respect for what he's done. Absolutely. Here. And and what you know, what he's given to this organization, the fan base. Uh, I mean, he really steadied uh, the I mean, franchise, right, Coach? I mean, you know, in that five year period after. Marcus Mariota, it was clear that he wasn't going to be the guy. He did a great job of steadying the franchise, winning some games, and and really provided the gateway for the Titans to develop a guy like Will Levis. Well, not only that, but, um, you know, that big dude behind him carrying the football. <laughs> yeah. That was a great – it was a great combination. That's a, every veteran quarterback's dream. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, Ryan didn't ha- does didn't have really anything to do with what was going on up front, and um, you know he's just going to do his job. And you know when it's when it's tough and you're young and you're mo- moving people all over, changing positions and stuff like that. Give the defense credit, man. I mean they're going to they're going to find a way to, to you know collapse the pocket. They're going to find a crease. They're going to be on your quarterback when you eventually. You know, you you know, you're just plugging holes here until guys start to settle down. So, and you see that. I mean, the, you know, right now, I, it's the offensive line and the quarterback and the protections and things are looking sync. And so, you know, it's just what's interesting about it. And and if you allow me just to talk just about quarterback play, sure. You know, right now in the NFL, I mean, it's a it's a great storyline to follow. You got so many different. Um, things going on team to team. You've got uh, that young group, that young established group right now that's just playing good, the Mahomes and those guys, you know, and then all of a sudden you now you got a problem, you know, due to injury in New York. And then, then of course, the scene starts with the Aaron Rodgers injury. But there's a lot of young quarterbacks getting opportunities to play, some of them in their second year, some of them rookies, some of them, you know, wherever. And they're all at different levels. 
as they get a chance to play. And some guys in this league right now are not ready to play, and it's that their their ineffectiveness and is not their fault because they're just not ready. It just takes some guys a little bit longer. And, you know, you're getting great quarterback play out of a few rookies right now, and you have to pay close attention to where they came from, what the system was, what they were asked to do. And um, some guys learn it quicker than others. The worst thing you can do is put a guy in too soon. And and because mm-hmm. it's not the quarterback that's failing, that you're failing the quarterback. And so anyway, I just think there's a lot of cool dynamics going on in the league, and you know, just just interesting storylines just to watch here from team to team. You got to keep them healthy. We know that. Well, no doubt about it, Coach. Uh, when you look at Sunday's game against Tampa, obviously a good opportunity for the Titans to win. I think, um, but uh, I'm a little concerned about the Titans' run defense. They've been getting run on lately, and that was not supposed to be the case. Well, I don't think you're going to find a defense in the league that that uh, at some point or another is going to get run on. Right. Um, you know, it just happens sometimes. They'll fix it. Um, people, people are running on the defense, the, the Titans' defense, because that's the way the Titans play. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, if you're if flip it around and, hey, you're preparing for the Titans, what are you going to do? What are they going to do to us? They're going to try to beat us 17 to 13 <laughs> at, with 35 carries, you know, and whatever, in the position, field position, knock your, you know what's off, game. And then we're going to do that, and we're going to show we can do that too. That's how they want to play. We're going to beat them at their game, hmm. you know, because – um, anybody, you know, the guys on defense, when you got a, when you got a lead and you know what your opponent's doing and they got to throw to catch up, anybody can do that. It's yeah. the, it's the team are, you know, look at the carries and things like that. Yeah. People are going to scheme it. There's a, some things that they'll do. The thing that you, I think you have to kind of kick out is the quarterback runs. So, um, you know, because that's a different dynamic. So I would expect Tampa Bay. Uh, yes, to do that, to run the football. Mm-hmm. And I would expect Tampa Bay to play better defense than they did last week. This is Todd Bull is a good football coach. Oh, yeah. And he's a good defensive coach. And what he's, his defense allowed to happen last week, no. That, that hurts. So you're gonna you're not gonna get that same defense. <laughs> you're gonna get a break, completely different defense this week than than what happened last week to them. They got a wake up call. Mm-hmm. That one hurt to the core, and so you're gonna see some different things out of their defense. I'm sure. Yeah, they allowed C.J. Stroud to go length of the field and beat them in the final seconds. Curious, coach, when you're, uh, you know, I know Philip Rivers was like this. But when you have a scrappy, mouthy quarterback like Baker Mayfield, you being a defensive coach, are you putting a little emphasis on, hey, let's uh, let's knock this, you know, let's get let's get some grass chains on the back of his jersey a little bit and kind of quiet him down a little bit? How do you how do you approach quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield? You know, I'll just say this: as a general rule across the league, your quote grass stains are what every <laughs> defense is trying to do to sure. every quarterback. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I would say this, and before I go on and answer your question, I will say this. One of the most impressive things that I saw in the National Football League over the last two or three years 
is what Baker Mayfield did when he arrived on the Rams' temporary campus mm-hmm. on Tuesday. I think he played Thursday, and he put together a 98-yard drive with a winning touchdown at the end of the game. He was in the, in the building for two days, <laughs> and he did that. Okay, Dobbs did so, something similar the other day for Minnesota, but yeah, that was that was remarkable. I, I, yeah, I, I mean it is. I mean those kinds of things right now are only done if the same language, common language, is spoke in the building offensively with one that he was used to previously in his career, and that was the case. But still. He's not worked with these guys. He's running what what Sean and he did to win that game. That to me, that that to me showed what Baker Mayfield's all about. He can talk and he can do this and he can do that. He's to me he he belongs in this league and I would love him as my quarterback because you know you get a run game and you know you do you start you build a defense around this guy. Yeah, he's going to win a lot of games. All right, Coach Jeff Fisher is with us, filling in for Keith Bullock, John Burton, Patton Cook. It's What's Good, the podcast show with KB and JB. We're back with more right after this. You're listening to What's Good with KB and JB podcast show, live on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. Honored to have Coach Jeff Fisher join us this week on the podcast show, filling in for Keith Bullock. Coach joining us from his spacious uh, farm. Coach, how's life on the farm? And I mean, man, you got a lot going on right now. You're you're back in the AFL as a special senior consultant for the Nashville Cats that are coming back here to Nashville. You're a grandfather now. I mean, you know, you're on the farm. I mean, you're just you're living your best life, Coach. I am. It really is. It's fun. I got, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been, been able to travel and do some, uh, you know, some outdoor stuff, hunting, fishing stuff. I love to fly fishing. So I've done that. But, um, man, we got, uh, yeah, I got a bunch of grandkids running around in town, and it's more fun. If it's not ballet or something or soccer, it's, <laughs> you know, it's flag football and hockey and birthday parties. And, yeah, and on occasion we'll have a little birthday party out here at the farm, but it's been fun. Yeah, the the, um, the arena thing is uh, it's really going to be uh, it's going to be. I, I think um, I, I, as each day passes, I get more and more excited for what they're doing and um, where they're going to end up. I mean, it's really going to. I appreciate your support on it, but uh, any place I go, you know, it comes up. And, um, you know, people are asking about it. And so there's a lot of energy. And as we know, the demographics are different and times have changed. But mm-hmm. the one thing that, that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks as we're meeting people and things is that, um, you know, this the, the National Cats, they made a mark here. People had a lot of fun back then watching this group and what they did and what Pat did uh, with the team. So, yeah, so we're having a lot of fun with that right now. Yeah, uh, the ownership group, I got to meet with them last week, had you on my sports line show here locally at News Channel 5, and uh, it was great to talk to all of them. We look forward to arena football returning here uh, next spring. Patton, uh, I want to bring you in. want to talk some college football here. Uh, big game for Tennessee at Missouri, uh, battle of ranked teams, and uh, 
you know, Missouri's having a really good season and, and Tennessee has kind of handed it to them over the last couple of seasons. Um, a great spot for them to maybe have a signature win under their head coach, Drinkwitz. And, you know, a lot of people are thinking that, listen, the Vols may still have a shot to win the SEC East. You know, they have to play Georgia. They, they have to keep winning. Obviously, they would need somebody to knock off Georgia. Um, and, uh, you know, that is certainly a possibility. I know you're not the biggest UT Vols fan, but how realistic is the possibility, you know, assuming Tennessee wins tomorrow, that they would have a shot at the SEC East? Yeah, as a Vandy fan, you won't see me uh, hoping and praying <laughs> for any uh, Vols success, but you're right. And I think that loss uh, potentially to Georgia, Ole Miss this weekend is going to be another big matchup in, in SEC country. But you're absolutely right. The past two games between this uh, these two teams, Tennessee is quite frankly embarrassed, Eli Drinkowitz, and I'm sure there's a lot of talk going on on campus right now, but it, it really starts and ends for me, John, uh, like pretty much every, every other team in college football with the quarterback. Joe Milton started to kind of ease into his position a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's probably taken a little numbers longer. numbers are good, though. 15 touchdown passes, only right. four interceptions. I mean, you know. It's been good, but big moments have kind of let him down and key moments. Yeah. But I think past couple of games, he started to kind of ease in and really try not to do more than what he needs to do. I, I think last year you saw what Hinton Hooker did. He was a Heisman-type player. I right. think Tennessee's not going to get that sort of production. They just need a solid quarterback play, and they're getting it, and really – uh, the run game has really helped them as well the past couple of weeks, John. Georgia, by the way, hosts Ole Miss this weekend. Could be an intriguing game. Coach Fisher, I'm curious, how much of the Vols have, have you watched uh, this fall, if at all? I've watched, uh, yeah, I can, when I can get a game, uh, I'll watch it. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't plan my weekend around right. the game, but <laughs> if I get it, I'll watch it. And, you know, I, I'm really impressed with the tempo on that offense. And then there's some up-tempo offense, but mm-hmm. this is in a different world. And, and that's the thing to watch out for. I, I don't, I mean, as you talk about, I don't remember what happened um, in the last mat, few matchups, but I would imagine they're putting some points on, on, you know, on Missouri. And so that's going to be the key to it. It gets back to Missouri, just keeping the ball and being able to score points and, you know, be able to go with them. But, uh, yeah, this up-tempo offense is, is, is creating a lot of problems for for good defensive staffs around the country. Uh, no doubt about it. Vanderbilt is out South Carolina. They're double-digit underdogs in that game. We hope for the best there and expect the worst, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, with, with Vanderbilt. Uh, Coach, uh, obviously your son, Brandon, the defensive coordinator for Tennessee State, they're having one of their best seasons in a long time, and uh, they've got a big game at uh, Eastern Illinois uh, this weekend. And I was told to ask you about the offense. Obviously, your former player, Eddie George, the head coach, doing a great job in his third year with the Tigers. What's up with that TSU offense? What do you expect from them? Well, we, we you know, we, we're we going to need, obviously, the, over the last two games, this one and then against Tennessee Tech, we're going to need to score some points. And keep the football. I mean, the defense is, is playing at a level um, where where it's hard to explain, only because of that. We're just the offense is not keeping the football. The time of possession is way down, and so they just need. You know, it's just. Um, you know, I would say that um, they they just kind of hit a wall, and uh, you know, you're turned. They've been turning the football over, and we just need them to score points and uh, to. To actually to turn this season into 
a very successful season. I mean, this start that they got off to, mind you, they, you know, they, you know, they're, they're, the couple of the teams they played were, you know, were teams that really should not have been in the game. They were st- pretty much startup programs. And, but nonetheless, um, yeah, we just like to see, you know, just a, a well-balanced team, you know, on both sides of the ball. Uh, and uh, that can, you know, do the things that, that require at the end of the game. If it comes down, do it to win, unlike what happened last weekend. How uh, how cool is it to watch your son uh, become a coach and have success? Well, uh, I'm still not so sure. I mean, you know, I I'm going to kid around a little bit, but <laughs> what happened? What happened with with my boy was that he all my three of my kids went to the same elementary, middle, graduated from the same high school here at CPA uh, while I was working here, and he got that that perception that oh yeah, you just get into coaching and you just hang out in the same place and you raise a family. It's in the, after he changed addresses about four times, he <laughs> finally realized that that, that coach is not. But you know what? Uh, whether whether my experience has been, um, you know, as I as I was moving around and going through my career, um, any game on the sideline for me at any level against any opponent was one thing, and I and I handled it. But when I got nervous and the hard ones that I had to endure were my kids' games. Yeah, those ones where they're either playing or they're coaching. It it takes it's a, it takes on a whole different meaning, um, you know, just because you want them to do well, and you know, not that you don't in your own environment, but it, it's just different. So yeah, I'm um, you know I'm a big fan of Tennessee State and of what Eddie's doing, and you know we're starting to turn the corner. We just got to put the gas pedal down, man, here and 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 get this program to where I think it can be. Yeah, Eastern Illinois is obviously a given. Tennessee State fits over the years, uh, going back to the days of Jimmy Garoppolo. So, yeah, I, I echo. Me, you. I'll take you. For, I'll take you further back. Sure. Who, but beyond Garoppolo, Tony Romo. How about our own Mike Heimerdinger? That's right. <laughs> yeah. How about Mike Shanahan? Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the head, current head coach of the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Also, Eastern Illinois alum. I wow. believe so. Uh, yeah, they've uh, yeah some some offenses come out of that out of that program. Well, gentlemen, as we're taping this, uh, looks like the hammer is going to be coming down on Michigan head coach uh, Jim Harbaugh. Michigan's at Penn State on Saturday, and uh, there are reports, and they'll probably be confirmed by the time most folks hear this that uh, Harbaugh was expected to be suspended three games for the whole sign stealing situation. Coach, I don't know about you. I mean, it is what it is. The Big Ten, you know, felt like they had to do something. But to come down with something like that the day before such a big road game for Michigan, I don't know if that's fair. Do you have any thoughts on the whole side-stealing thing, Michigan, anything along those lines? Well, I, you know, I, I guess my first comment would be with respect to the NC2A. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just wish there would be a little more consistency out of it, out of them. Um, you know, sometimes they take two or three or four years to rule on recruiting violations, right. and, then, and then we saw that here with Tennessee. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now all of a sudden, this stuff has been out for two weeks, and they're already going to make a decision. <laughs> so now I don't know if the the investigation has been ongoing. If it has, then I stand corrected. But, right. 
you know, I, I mean, it, and, you know, you see both sides. Um, as far as sign stealing and, and things like that, um, you know, the world out there is competitive. Um, and teams are going to do whatever they possibly can to win and within the rules. Now, if there are rules that say uh, that you can't do that, then I get it. I mean, the NFL and this big game uh, changed mm-hmm. really because of that concept and what Peyton Manning did, and it was brilliant, and what the Colts did. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it in the NFL. Now, you can, and you can, now if you're like recording um, digitally or, or, you know, you've got a phone or you've got a recording device that's filming a signal caller on the sideline, then you have no business in the sport. Right. Because that's illegal and that's inappropriate and that's freaking cheating in my mind. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a guy standing, sitting up there with binoculars on the defensive coordinator and he says, uh, you know, it's first, first play number 13, it's first and 10 on the minus 20. Um, let's see, he touched his right knee, he crossed <laughs> and touched his left shoulder, and then he clapped his hands. So the next the next time he'll look at the call, the next play, and he'll go in there and he'll 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 listen to his recording and he'll look at what the result was and before you know it there's a pattern. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they they can see whether you're in coverage or whether you're in a pressure. And so what what the Colts did from that was they would tell their their one of their assistants on the sideline, he would memorize it, he'd stand there and watch your defensive coordinator signal because Peyton has hurried the offense up to the line, they're gonna get ready to go, so you got a signal. And he'll look at the signal and he'll on the headset he'll say, uh, they got we got pressure and then they'll call the play through the headset that turn the coach the quarterback device that turns off in fifteen seconds. And Peyton will know they have pressure, mm. and Peyton will call the appropriate play. It was brilliant. Wow! I mean, it was. I mean, I can go on for hours about <laughs> competing against Peyton and competing against the Colts, and um, you know. And then all of a sudden, what happened after that? They gave defenses a headset. Now the defenses didn't have to signal anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you got communication devices. You got no signaling. Okay. Now the defense may signal to each other and then go figure that doesn't take an offensive guy on the field, but doesn't take him but a series to figure out what their signals are. So we were changing wristbands for Peyton every, every quarter. (laughs) And they were on, on all of everybody had a wristband. And so it was, you know, it was red one. Everybody looked and saw red one. Nobody talked. <laughs> and then the quarter changed, and you changed the wristband. Oh, man. So, yeah. How much so, did you like that, again, that chess a, match? Go ahead. How much did you like that chess match, that cat and mouse game, against coaching against guys like Peyton? Was it fun? Was it stressful? Was it all the above? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it is. It was all the above. I mean, it was such a challenge. And, you know, I remember uh, Peyton had a look on his face when you and Keith was one one of the guys that did it. We were up there. I don't remember what year it was, but mm-hmm. we, we got Peyton. Keith came from the backside and sacked him. 
and Peggy was so mad. And he turned and he looked at our bench. He goes, all right, you got me, but you're not going to kind of get me again. Right. You know, kind of thing. And, right, right, And that right. was the, that's where the, you know, the, the challenge and excitement stuff came out of. But, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but we 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 had a great matchup against every matchup was great, but we had injuries in our secondary, mm-hmm. and there was no way that we were going to freaking handle the way their their offense, the way they were scoring. So uh, we decided to, you know, I decided that every time we scored, we needed to try an onside kick, try to keep the ball. Okay, because if we didn't get it, if we didn't get it. It would be as if we kicked off and then three plays later they got possession there anyway. I mean, they're going to get there. So we were trying to keep the ball. And so I had, I don't know, four or five onside kicks in the game, whatever it was. But but And then all we did all week was work on our red zone defense because they're going to be in the red zone the whole time. And and we almost beat them. But, but there's – so, yeah, there's a, the dynamics and the, the strategy and the stuff that goes on, you know. It, and it's going on now, guys. That's the cool part. It's yeah. Just, you know, you still got people talking about it. Yeah. Patton, what, what are your thoughts on the whole Michigan situation? Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. I, I do want to ask Jeff, I just you were talking about the battles with Peyton Manning. Do you have any relationship with uh, Tony Dungy now that you two haven't kind of gone up against each other two times a year for over a decade, <laughs> it seemed like? Uh, with Tony, uh, Tony and I were always, we, you know, um, even though we had the great rivalry, Tony and I were just, yeah, we were, we loved it. I mean, I have such respect for Tony and not that I didn't have respect for some of the other guys, but you know, Tony and I, our approach, I'm never going to say anything about, you know, in response to something that he may say, like I, I felt like I needed to do if Brian Billick said something mm-hmm. or, you know, <laughs> Billy, Bill never really said much and nor did, nor did Tom Coughlin, but, um, that was more of kind of a silent <laughs> treatment <laughs> to each other. But mm-hmm. no, Tony and I were great. I mean, I uh, I introduced him as a keynote speaker at a prayer breakfast here in town, and um, we had just gotten back. We had just gotten back from Indian uh, from uh, New England, and we had laid an egg in New England, and. Uh, we must have, I think it was like a 56 to 10 game. Or yeah, is that, like the, that. I mean, that was in the was, snow and the slush and all that? It was the snow and the cold. And yeah, yeah it was like, okay, yeah, we got, had to fix that issue with that, that locker room. But anyway, it happens, you know, it just happened. And so the following, that, that immediate Tuesday, I'm supposed to go over and introduce Tony uh, at a prayer breakfast. And the guy calls me on Monday and goes, Coach, I'm so sorry. Hey, I got a couple other guys lined up to introduce my guy. Why? Why? I mean, I'm going to introduce them. It's okay. It was just a game. We lost, you know, and, but it's not like, you know, it was not something catastrophic that would keep me from keeping my commitment. Right. So anyway, I went in there and uh, I had my assistant, I had her go get a, uh, go find a paid manager and a medium. And I put it on and I put my dress shirt over it and my tie and my coat. And I got up there when they introduced me. I started going, man, is anybody else hot in here? You know, kind of thing. And, and I basically took my coat, my shirt off, and I'm standing there in a paint manager. And I'm getting ready to introduce Tony Dungy, you know, and I just was joking around saying, oh, shoot. I said, I just needed to feel like a winner here. I had a rough weekend kind of thing, you know. But 
So, and I got a lot of pushback locally, yeah, because you know, because the Titans said, "Oh, wow, we hate the Colts," but you know, that's the that's the word, that's the rivalry, that's the respect in the rivalry, and you know, I met, they went the Super Bowl, I believe, two years later, and um, you know, I went down for that, and man, I had more Colts fans coming up to me and just loving that the gesture, you know, kind of thing, but. Um, you know, there's um, I don't know even how you guys got me started on that. Well, we got started on the with the with the play clock and everything. Um, I just had great respect for that organization, and you know, and, and each one in the division. I mean, I'd love competing against Tom Coughlin as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach, hang in there. We got another segment coming up with you. Appreciate you being with us. It's what's good with KB and JB, the podcast show. Stick around. Welcome back to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, exclusively on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. Reminder, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, CastBox, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio Podcast, virtually anywhere you uh, get your podcast, you can find us. We'd love for you to uh, subscribe and uh, leave comments about the show. Uh, KB, out this week, John Burton, Patton Cook, and... Former Titans head coach Jeff Fisher joining us uh, by phone. Great to have Coach with us. And, Coach, we do this every week at this time. You know, our producer, Patton Cook, I, I believe you met him. Uh, if you haven't, he's a he's one of the nicest kids you ever meet. He's not a kid. He's, he's in his mid-20s. But, you know, he's a mild-mannered Christian Southern gentleman. But every now and then, things get under his skin. So we do a little thing called Let Patton Cook. What do you got this week? Well, uh, Vandy basketball returned in a true vintage fashion, and uh, I'm not going to go too far into it because it's more of a sad uh, let Patton cook. Uh, Very sad about this Vandy basketball program. One that uh, for those that don't know, they opened with a loss against Presbyterian at home, a team that didn't win a single game during the calendar year of 2023. Right. Growing up in school, I always knew that uh, come basketball season, even if Tennessee gave us uh, a couple of fifty burgers in my uh in my lap that i had to fend myself at uh, dca mm-hmm. uh i had my friends coming at me i knew once basketball season came around i really had some ammunition doesn't look to be the case this year it's early i know uh, but as a fan you lay an egg like that and, and you're missing tyron lawrence you're missing a couple other players a couple transfers in there as well but just not sure the direction of this uh this program right now with jerry stackhouse i love him i've met him a couple times uh great guy uh in terms of a, a person, I'm not sure there's a better coach in the SEC. Best dressed. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. Dressed but to the nines. You just wish it, it would work a little bit better right now. And if, if he doesn't pick it up here soon at year five, this might be it for him. All right. Well, there you go. It's a sad, Patton. Uh, yeah, Patton yeah. Um, unfortunately. Yeah, you're not mad. You're sad. Yes. Last week you were mad. Yes. But, uh Coach, uh, Keith came up with this great idea for the podcast show called Petty News, where we go around the sports world and we talk about you know, people who are being petty uh, in the uh, in the world of sports. I can imagine as a former NFL head coach, you ran into a lot of petty head coaches, players, whoever it was. And, you know, you're talking about the last segment, Coach, and I think about just those days in the AFC, I believe still Central back then, where it was you, Brian Billick, Tom Coughlin, and Bill Cower. Talk about four guys that were – you know, headstrong individuals, you know, we're going to do it my way and it's going to work my way. Can you give us any insight out of those three? Who was the most petty? 
I'm still having a hard time with the way you're defining petty. Yeah, you know. Um, I got, um, you know, they're all so different. Yeah. And, you know, um, two of them basically are coming from story franchises and we got a new franchise and, but Tom had the experience, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't know. It was just, there was a, there was some stuff that went on with, you know, Brian and his team and Ray and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Sarah Goose. It was, a, we'd love playing against them and, and all that, but there was a, just some, like petty stuff. I have stories too long to tell you, but they dressed up in all camo and made all these predictions <laughs> and, you know, and I don't even know who they played. This is 2000. We had a week off. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know who they played before us, but they came in and, you know, that was the game where I don't think Dilford and company got a, a first down the second half. We blocked two punts. They went out of bounds sideways, and Eddie had the ball bounce off his shoulder pad, and they went on and beat the Giants in the Super Bowl. There was just a bunch of junk that was going on there. But to, and to Brian's you know, defense, mm-hmm. he backed it up with a, with a Lombardi trophy. Yep. So, you know, he got it. And, um, you know, I, you know, my regret, I guess, is that um, I was the only one of the three that never got one. You know, yeah. Tom did his work up there. And, but we got close. But I did, I'm off the topic now, but I did do a USO tour in Iraq mm-hmm. with Bill Cower and Tom Coughlin. And actually, John Harbaugh, Brian was no longer the coach. And so um, we had a blast. And um, it was just, it was really, it was a different world, different, you know, you imagine the, you know, us getting away and and going into that environment and Mm -hmm. do what we did from base to base and, you know, just greeting the military. The experience was an amazing experience. And, so, um, yeah, if there were any hard feelings um, from the workplace on Sunday, they were all worked out while we were in the desert in Iraq. Yeah. Hey, Coach, uh, interesting happenings this week. You mentioned New York. Jets coach Robert Sala, you know, the Jets coming off that Monday night loss to the Chargers at home, another bad game for Zach Wilson, who's trying to fill in for Aaron Rodgers, who says he may come back this year. We'll see about that. And, you know, everybody in New York, I'm from New York, so I listen to a lot of sports talk coming out of New York. And everybody in New York is wondering, why won't Robert Sala at least give another quarterback, you know, I know they have Trevor Simeon and they have uh, uh, Pat Doyle or Matt Doyle, whatever his name is. Why won't he give another quarterback a chance and he was asked that directly by Michael Kay, uh, ESPN in New York. And this was Tuesday, the day after the game. And Robert Sala says, I plead the fifth. I mean, have you ever heard a coach answer a question in that manner? I mean, you know, you've coached against, you know, Mike Tomlin and Brian Billick and, you know, the, the guys we just mentioned. For a coach, an NFL head coach to say, in a public interview, I plead the fifth about a quarterback situation. I found that to be a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't know if you heard that or not. Well, I mean, there's, I didn't hear it, but, um, you know, when you go out and you draft a guy in, in, with your first pick and you then go out and sign 
one of an all-time quarterback in Aaron because you you're saying that we made a mistake, mm-hmm. and you know so now um, you're also you're I mean you're just belaboring that point by playing somebody else other than Zach. We don't know the relationship between Zach and Nathaniel Hackett. Um, we know why Nathaniel was is there because Aaron was there and their their relationship in Green Bay. But um, uh, I I don't know. Uh, I do know this. I do know that. I mean, Zach can do some things. He just he struggles. How do I say? He struggles seeing. Yeah. And uh, because he's not tall and. So, you know, when you get back in there and you don't have those raw vision instincts in the pocket where you can slide a little bit to see downfield, um, it, it gets hard. And so, you know, I think they know that. I mean, I, it's, obvious. it's obvious. I mean, he's not Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's ever going to be Drew Brees, but Drew Brees was the best in the pocket for sliding around, I mean, since Steve Young and stuff. But uh, undersized, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I'm talking about height, because sure. there's a difference between when Justin uh, Herbert out there is looking downfield, there's a four or five inch differential there. Mm-hmm. And um, he's going to see, he's going to find, he, he can throw it a little quick underneath receivers and the slot receivers, but you, get, you don't have a short quarterback that can do that because of the vision aspects. And so he's having some vision problems. And, you know, that I would just say, it, you know, to answer your question, I mean, I, yeah, they they don't want to totally give up on a kid. Yeah, and they want to get him. You know, they just they they just they're seeing they're seeing flashes and they're seeing good stuff and you know and then they're seeing the you know and then of course you know the sacks don't help and the cost fumbles and the protection of football doesn't help. But there's got to be a, they got to find other ways to allow him to be successful rather than just be stuck back there in the in the pocket and have people tee off against him. But I don't know. I mean, that's a long-winded answer. Robert Sala is a fine man and an outstanding football coach. And I think a, a, a terrific – I think he's one of the better communicators. And I just think maybe he was misunderstood and maybe he was joking around or whatever. But um, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look too much into it. Jeff, kind of on these same lines, you don't know if it's the same situation, but we've kind of had this same problem in, in Tennessee. Kyle Phillips, uh, the punt returner, you hear heard the coaches say he, was doing, he wasn't doing what he was doing in games and practice. He wasn't dropping the punts. Uh, you got, you, I'm so glad you brought this up. How, how did you handle that as there a coach? Is a, there's a, a, you talk about a, a position that's not being coached. It's that, and um, and I say that because I did it, and so I coached it, and it's just yeah. It, there's the different. There's a a nine day difference between kickoffs and punts, and 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 the punt returned part of the game. Okay, depending on where you are on the field, if you're backed up, and odds are you're just going to make a fair catch signal and just take take the ball or let it go in the end zone. You're anywhere else on the field. When that ball comes off that punter's foot, you need to make a decision. Hmm. And a lot of things go into those decisions. Are they double-pressed outside? Are they single-pressed outside? Are they going to be on me in time? You know, and this. And then you have to learn to block everything out 
make your decision, and then execute the play. And if if, the, if you wave your hand too early and there's three people, nobody within five yards, and you secure the catch, great. You made the decision. We back you on the decision. The problem is, is that um, this kid is having a hard time making decisions. And he, and, and again, his what I've seen, his technique is absolutely for. He's a really good athlete. He's got great hand-eye coordination, but it's a technique issue with him. It's a, it's a, just a mental thing. Well, Coach, we know you're busy. Uh, it's been great having you on the podcast show this week. We appreciate it, and uh, we'd love to have you on again. Patton, that was uh, pretty cool having uh, Coach Jeff Fisher on the podcast show. I mean, we love Keith, and we can't wait to talk to him next week. But, man, you know, that was uh, – <laughs> he's got some stories, doesn't he? That he does. If we ever want to do a 24-hour uh, podcast, <laughs> I know who we want to call. Uh, yeah. Jeff Fisher, I absolutely love it. I've got to hear him and talk to him a couple times and couldn't be nicer of a guy and mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy I think a lot of Titans fans took took for granted yep. once he left and yep. the, the death march that you always talk about that the Titans went on. He was uh, uh, definitely missed uh, during that era. Well, listen, the one thing with the coach Fisher, you know, these teams were always going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, were they going to are they going to be top teams in the in the league in the conference? Maybe not. But. You know they're gonna. The Jeff Fisher teams always give you an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, and I'm 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 looking forward to him being a part of the Arena Football League that's coming back. The Nashville Cats coming back to uh, town in the spring. All right, Titans Bucks coming up on uh, Sunday. Will Levis now the established guy and. Uh, Sounds like you're feeling good about uh, Tennessee's chances on Sunday. I I do. I like the Titans uh, this weekend, and I. I, the one thing I will say, I did hear what Jeff said about how Todd Bowles is not going to let happen what happened last week to a rookie quarterback to yet another rookie uh, <laughs> that they will be playing this weekend in Will Levis. That does give me a little cause for concern, but I think this Titans defense can get after Baker. Uh, if there's one thing we know about him, he he doesn't mind turning the ball over uh, no. here or there to fit a tight window, but... That's a defense like the Bucks, but the Titans, they also need to bounce back after yeah. a couple letdown performances, I think. Yeah, well, listen, if the Titans win and uh, the Jaguars lose, they play the 49ers at home this week. 49ers are going to be coming in desperate for a win after losing three straight. You know, there, therein lies the hope. The hope springs eternal, right? Absolutely. One would hope anyway. All right, well, let's get Bullock back in here next week. Episode number 10 in the books. I thank you, as always, Absolutely. for your hard work and dedication and we thank you to all the listeners out there and again uh catch us on spotify iHeartRadio, apple google Castbox, amazon music virtually anywhere you get your podcast you can find us subscribe leave a comment we love hearing from you that'll do it for this week everybody have a great week we'll talk to you next time